You're listening to Good evening, Rhapsody. My name is Edna Beecher, and I'm now officially your host here at WEN. If you recognize my voice, it's because I've been working at the station for about a year and a half, I'd say, and I used to fill in for Aura on Saturdays. Speaking of which, Aura isn't going anywhere, don't worry. We've just switched roles. I'm now the main host, and she'll fill in for me on Sundays. My first guest as your official full-time host is, and I swear I'm telling you the truth now, his name is Steve Rogers, just like the hero from the comics. Now, he doesn't have superpowers, of course, but he is just as much of a hero because he's going to enlist in the U.S. Army. Welcome to the show, Mr. Rogers. Oh, just Steve is fine. And thank you for having me, Edna. It's my pleasure. Now... I know why you aren't able to enlist quite yet, but how about you explain that to our listeners? Sure. So, like many people in Rhapsody, I work on a farm. My whole family does. And if it weren't for spring being planting season, I'd be in the army now. But America needs food just as much as it needs its heroes overseas, so until harvest time comes in the fall, I'll still be here in town. After that, it's off to boot camp. And from there to Africa or the Pacific? That's right. That's the part that my mother is worried about. <laughs> Are you worried? No. Maybe that sounds arrogant, but I have faith in America. I have faith in our armed forces. After all, we won the last war. The Nazis won't know what hit them. Well, that's mighty encouraging. The news from Germany and the countries it's taken over recently has been very troubling for the past, let me think, ten years or so. The sooner we can free those people, the better. In fact, as I understand it, that's why you're going to join the army. You have a connection to one of those many people. I do. My family is German on my mother's side. I actually lived in Germany until I was 13. And I have a cousin who lives in Berlin. He hates the Nazi party as much as we do, maybe even more considering he has to deal with them every day. I think if he could, he'd join the American army too. Now, you said Berlin? As in, the capital of Germany? I did. My cousin lives in what's possibly the most dangerous city you could live in if you disagree with the Nazi party. I used to tell him he's either incredibly brave or incredibly stupid. Once, years ago, I even asked him to come to America. And he said he couldn't. Because leaving, giving up on his country, that would mean the Nazis won. And for someone in his situation, living in the country controlled by the enemy, that's the way you stand up to them. You refuse to budge. With any tyrant, there's two ways to fight them, he says. Either you're an outsider and you march in and take them by force, like we plan to do, or you're on the inside and you meet every single demand that tyrant makes with a resounding no. You resist when you can, and when you can't, you just hold tight to your beliefs and wait for the cavalry to arrive. And Rhapsody, that's us. We're the cavalry. And with your help, we are going to charge right into Berlin and free Germany, France, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Denmark, everyone. Between us and Britain, and the free French, and everyone who's taken a stand against tyranny. Well, it's like Steve said. The Nazis won't know what hit him. And if you yourself can't volunteer for the armed forces, it's understandable. 
It's not for everyone. You can still contribute to the war effort by buying war bonds. I have an informational pamphlet here which tells us all about... Well, it looks like that's all the time we have for now, listeners. Thank you again for being here, Steve. My pleasure. Coming up on When, we're taking a trip down memory lane to listen to some of the best compositions of the last 20 years. If you remember, last week, Aura asked everyone to write in with the list of their favorite songs, and we'd do our best to play them all during a listener-directed special on Monday, which is today! Today, you, the listeners, choose the programming. Right now, specifically Al Presley, who suggested this first song from 1927. Here's Charles Hart asking, Are you lonesome tonight? Right here on When. There we go. I've switched the mic off so we can talk now. Thank you again for coming here, Steve. I think hearing what it's really like over there will motivate people to get involved. Glad to hear that I'm making a difference. That monologue about the cavalry, that didn't sound silly, did it? Like I was trying too hard? No, not at all. How many more of those letters do you have from your cousin? I'm not sure. Maybe 20 or 30? Hmm, that's enough for us to do this just about once a week. Would coming in every Monday work for you? Could we actually do Saturdays? My mother's been pushing to get me more involved with the church. I think she wants to be sure my soul's in order before I join the army. So we're gonna be going to Bible study every Monday from now on. (laughs) You don't sound too excited. I have a complicated relationship with the good book. And I wouldn't say I've got it sorted out exactly, but I think it's as good as it's gonna get now, so I'm not exactly keen on putting myself in a situation where that whole relationship can be thrown into turmoil again. I see. Well, maybe this is a good thing. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to have to rethink your faith, but getting too comfortable is dangerous because you're not growing. I guess. (laughs) My grandpa used to say it's like driving a car. You get too comfortable, maybe you get a little arrogant, driving above the speed limit, stuff like that, and then suddenly a deer jumps out in front of you, you slam on the brakes, and then you go back to being a lot more careful, and questioning your habits, and... yeah. So, you're saying if I don't go to Bible study with my mother, and a bunch of old ladies who always doze off during the sermons, and will probably also doze off in Bible study, I'm... Going to hit a deer? Well, yeah, I guess I kind of did say that, but it's not what I meant. I meant... I don't really know what I meant. Oh, I'll get that. Excuse me. Real suave, Edna. A regular Bridget O'Shaughnessy. Hello? This is when Rhapsody... Oh. No, of course not. I had no... What list? I don't ever recall hearing about... Oh. Just Friday? Well... Oh, well, that's a relief to hear. A hundred! Yes, I understand. Well, that's good to know. Thank you for informing me, sir. Yes, I'll be checking the mail. All right. Have a good eve. Oh. He hung up. Well, that's a bit rude. Was that another one of those junk calls? There's been a lot of those going around lately. I know. Just last week I got a call from a total stranger asking if I watched television the night before. 
<laughs> As if anybody in Rhapsody owns a television. No, this, this wasn't a prank call. It was a representative from Village Council. He said a new law had just been passed that regulates the sort of content that can be presented on the radio in Rhapsody. Apparently, we broke one of the rules just now when you and I were just talking about your cousin's letter about racism in Germany. Apparently, we can't discuss that on the radio. Why not? What about the First Amendment? <sighs> Something about controversial topics? The town is 50-50 on these kinds of things. No matter what side we take, someone will disagree with us. Not something kids should hear about, etc, etc. That's a good point about the First Amendment, actually. But he was talking so fast, I could barely get a word in anyways. It hasn't gone into effect yet, since it was just passed on Friday. He said they'll mail the list first thing tomorrow, so we should have it by Thursday. And then, starting this Friday, mentioning anything on that list will earn us a hundred dollar fine. A hundred dollars? Mm-hmm. They expect you to pay them a hundred dollars just for saying things they don't agree with? <sighs> Look, I think it's shady too, but we don't have that kind of money. I don't know how we'd go about changing the law, and even if I did, I don't want to take that risk. I just wonder why they chose now to do this. This is the only radio station in Rhapsody. We're the only ones the law applies to. They must have known this is the week I'd take over and... Oh, never mind. It's no use overanalyzing it. All we can do now is wait for the list to arrive. Thank you again for coming, Steve. I'll have the schedule worked out with Aura tomorrow, and we'll call you to let you know what time to come in on Saturday. Um... There's really nothing else to do tonight, and I don't want to keep you. You can leave if you want. Do you mind if I stay? My brother, he's been seeing this dame for a while now, and I think he's gonna ask her to marry him soon. And she came over for dinner tonight. And she's a swell gal. But I just can't take another round of my folks asking me why I haven't convinced one of the eight women in this whole town to marry me yet. Unless I'd be in your way. Oh, no, not at all. Oh, hold on, song's ending. Thank you, Al, for that delightful suggestion. Next up is a song from Noel Coward, which was recommended by Oscar Forrester. Now, this number was originally written as part of an operetta, but I think, and I am sure you'll agree, it's a wonderful tune all on its own. Here's I'll See You Again, right here on When. You know, it's actually nice to have company. Nancy and Aura are already home for the night. Nancy? Nancy when? She's a good friend of mine. She's still in school, so when she's not helping out around here, she's doing her homework or working in the school play or singing in the choir or playing in the band. <laughs> she's a true renaissance woman. You're not in school anymore? Graduated early. After first semester, I had enough credits to graduate, so I started working here full time. You must be real smart to finish six months early. You going to college or something next year? <sighs> no, uh, it, um, it didn't work out. Oh. So, um, you went to Rhapsody too? High school? Yeah, just for a year and a half. I kind of wanted to graduate, be the first in my family, but it also didn't work out. Hmm. Edna! Oh, Nancy! I thought you said you had to write a paper tonight. I did. I finished it. I also finished this. I can't read sheet music. 
You don't need to read sheet music to read the title, Knucklehead. Oh! Yeah, want me to play it? Sure, piano's right over there. Oh, oh my goodness, I'm just awful. Nancy, this is Steve. He's the one I was just interviewing about Germany. Steve, this is Nancy Wen. Evening. Pleasure to meet you. Right, the piano. Sounds great. What's it for? The new science fiction serial we're debuting on Wednesday. You've probably heard us mention it a million times already. Roger Braddock? That sounds slightly familiar. I haven't been listening to the radio all that much lately, if I'm being honest. Mr. Sanders, who owns the farm my family works on, decided out of the blue that he wants to build a brand new chicken coop before Easter, so I've been working on that for the past couple weeks. After a whole day of working on that, I'm too tired to stay up and hear the evening news. The only reason I'm still conscious right now is because I drank four cups of coffee throughout the day instead of my usual two. That sounds dangerous. Now that you mention it, my heart is probably beating about three times faster than it usually does. But you can't deny that I am, in fact, awake. Just a minute, you two. Gotta change records again. Thanks again, Oscar, for recommending that one. Our next song was chosen by Anne Hoitenga. Thank you, Anne. Listeners, can you believe this song is 10 years old? It's true. Miss Hoitenga's suggestion is the incomparable Duke Ellington's masterpiece. It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Recorded 10 years ago, February. My, how the time flies. <laughs> so, is your whole family surviving solely on coffee? Or is it just you? Oh, Boy. Well, we're not the only ones who work for Mr. Sanders. There's another guy, a couple years older than me, who lives across the street with his wife. He goes through about two cups a minute, it seems like. My siblings have started calling him Jitterbug because he's so hyped up on caffeine that his hands just jitter all the time. I'm surprised Sanders even hired him cause... And that's it for the weather right now. In more exciting news, I called up Steve Rogers. Rhapsody's own superhero, who you'll remember I interviewed Monday night, and he's going to be here again on Saturday to read more letters from his cousin in Germany. So tune in to when on Saturday at 2 o'clock for another installment of what we've decided to call From Behind Enemy Lines. And we're looking to expand the show as well. Listeners, if you or someone you know knows someone living in an enemy-occupied country, let us know, and we may feature your story on the radio. We want to be able to paint a fuller picture of what's going on for everyone else during this awful old war. We hear about our soldiers and the things they see, but there is often so much that we never hear about until years later. Who knows? Maybe there will be someone in one of those letters that will help an American soldier while he's fighting Nazis. He sings that one? Yes. I'm sorry, I can't resist. That, ladies and gentlemen, was The Who with I Can't Explain. 
look, you've got to, when you pick a name like that, you just got to know there's endless opportunities for puns there. <laughs> Our generation's Abbott and Costello. <laughs> yeah, the who were on first, the what on second. <laughs> Stones on third, Beatles pitching. <laughs> That'd be some game. Speaking of the Beatles, have you heard their new album yet? No, I haven't gotten around to buying it yet. It was on my Christmas list. I didn't end up getting it. All right. Well, first off, buy the new Beatles album. And second, there's a cover of rock and roll music on there. Oh, is it good? Well, it's good, but come on. They're not Chuck Berry. It's a good cover, but no one can top the original. So here's the original from, man, when was that? Seven, eight years ago? Something like that. Man, time flies. Here's Chuck Berry with Rock and Roll You're on Nancy, are you almost done? I've still got two questions left. Well, I did it in the most long-winded way I could. Listeners, you'll have to excuse this unprofessional behavior. Nancy's trying to finish her math homework before she tells us all about an exciting new show that she has been working on with our guests this evening. Miss June Stowe and Miss Leslie Bridger. Welcome to the studio, both of you. Oh, thank you thank for you. having us. Ahem, both of us? <laughs> I roped you in on day one. You don't count as a guest anymore. All right, fair enough. All right, now that we've got everyone, how are you all doing tonight? Just swell. With a bit of terror mixed in. Well, I assure you, you've got nothing to be afraid of. I've read the script, and it really is an intriguing story. How did you come up with your ideas? Well, we both grew up reading science fiction stories. H.G. Wells, Jules Verne, Mary Shelley. And I've got just about every issue of astounding science fiction from the last ten years or so up in my room. And then, of course, there's Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers was definitely our biggest influence. Definitely. We've always enjoyed Buck Rogers from the very beginning. Whenever there's a new episode, Leslie comes over to my house and we listen to it together. And then as soon as it's done, we just shut off the radio and talk about it for another hour. Roger Braddock, the serial that we're starting this evening, started out as sort of our own Buck Rogers story. There was this sort of a hiatus one time and we started theorizing about what might happen next. And then after a while, we started thinking, this might actually work as a real story. It's completely moved away from Buck Rogers now. When we originally wrote it, it was in the same world as Buck Rogers. I, I think we even used Kane as a villain at one point. And then it evolved into our own story. We were inventing our own characters, our own settings. And soon we had something that was entirely our own. When was this? About, I think it was May. So, ten months ago, we finished the first draft of the story we're presenting tonight. And then we edited it and rewrote it. Then we threw half of it away and changed it completely. It's been a journey. <laughs> and at what point in that journey did you start thinking about bringing the show to us? Well, it was, let me think. We just finished the final draft of the iteration of what's now the first episode. But originally we were writing, oh, what's the word? Uh, like, like a novel. It wasn't in script form. We were thinking about sending it into a science fiction magazine, but then in October we were listening to Wen, and Aura mentioned that she was doing serials on here. Right, there were a couple of few years ago. It was before I started working here, but I grew up listening to those programs. So did we. And we missed them too, and suddenly it was just 
a light bulb turned on in my head and I told June, I know what we're going to do with this. We're going to rewrite the story again to be a radio play. And at first, I really wanted to just whack her on the head with all the drafts we'd already written and thrown out. But then I started thinking, you know, this is our local radio station. This is our community. It's only fair that we share this with them rather than a whole lot of strangers across the country. Especially when those strangers running the magazines probably get hundreds of manuscripts sent to them every day. Yeah, the chances of this making it into a magazine were very slim. So even if it was a pain to type it all out again... I think we made the right choice. So do I. There's a lot you can do with radio that you just can't do with reading. For example, you can have talented actors like ours bringing your story to life including someone I'm sure everyone in Rhapsody knows and love, Mr. Irville Davis of the Davis Family Grocery Store. He's in the bag with the rest of the cast right now, so unfortunately we can't interview him tonight, but I expect we will soon. And another fun thing you can do with radio is to add music. Nancy, uh, you got involved after Leslie called us a few months ago. I mentioned to you that we needed music because you are very talented and I knew you could do it, and I've gotta say, you've delivered! Hearing it all come together with the music this afternoon at rehearsal was incredible. So, what were your influences? Well, when Leslie, June, and I were first talking about the music, the thing they kept bringing up was that it had to convey adventure. And when I think adventure, I think trumpets, trombones, strings, percussion, full orchestra, huge sound. And of course, we don't have that here. So then I went in the opposite direction. How can I convey adventure with as few instruments as possible? And the answer ended up being just a piano, partially because it's the instrument I play best and therefore can write for it best, and because it's such a multifaceted instrument. You can convey so much with it because it's so versatile. So sticking to that one core instrument gives the whole score a sense of cohesiveness but it can still convey very different emotions at different times. That's interesting. I know next to nothing about music, so you never cease to amaze me, Nancy. Oh, looks like the cast is ready. Well, listeners, as you can tell, a lot of work went into what you're about to hear. So, without further ado, here's the first installment of Roger Braddock, Space Explorer. In the 23rd century, mankind has expanded beyond Earth, beyond the Moon and Mars, into outer space, the last true wilderness. Only the bravest and most daring people dare to voyage into the great unknown, people like Roger Braddock, Space Explorer. Andromeda, navigation all set? Yes, sir. Tower, this is Captain Braddock, requesting permission to begin acceleration. Over. Permission granted, Captain. Have a safe flight. Oh, and Captain, remember to have everyone record their daily logs for the duration of the mission. We were missing some last time. Over and out. Will do. Over and out. There we go. Last communication with Earth for the next two weeks. Approaching 0.5% light speed. Eris, everything alright down there? Just fine. You could even push it a little bit more. I want to see what this new inertia negator is made of. Uh, I think we're good. Aw, come on. You don't need to take it this easy. This negator is brand new. 
According to all the testing, you're supposed to be able to go from 0 to 01 in under 10 seconds. 1% light speed in 10 seconds? Uh-huh. I've seen footage and statistics from the tests. One of the pilots made it to light speed in 12 and a half minutes. Wow. I know! They were comparing it to the Model 7, that's the one we had before, and with the 7, the average acceleration was about 7,500,000 miles per hour per second, but with this new one, it's 1,300,000 miles per hour per second, and those are just averages. Iris. If you're running at full capacity, you could even make Proxima Centauri in about 130 Iris. hours, but given our current acceleration, we'll Iris, probably- we get it. It's a good machine. It's a good machine. It's a good machine. Alright, cool you two. Eris, you've been saying we can get to Proxima Centauri in six days now. That's true, it's only two days shorter than usual, but it's still six days with just the four of us in here. Yeah, I don't want to be hearing that the whole time. Yes, mother. I'm sure you meant that as an insult, but your mother is very kind, friendly, and a thoughtful woman. So I'm going to take it as a compliment. You know, it is sort of nice out here. Even if we can't talk to anyone but ourselves until we get to Proxima Centauri, the silence is sort of comforting. Really? I always like talking to people. It's nice when other explorers are passing by and you can just talk for a bit before they go out of range. Just to catch up on the news, if nothing else. I'd rather catch up on the news from my apartment on Earth than have it shouted at me across space by pilots who've been awake for over 20 hours and are being powered by nothing but coffee. Gee, Ray, that was so specific. It's almost like you're describing an actual person. Alright, you know perfectly well who I'm describing, and I know for a fact that you find him as annoying as I do, so I don't want to hear it. Roger Paddock! I thought I recognized that ship! Hey! Look out your port window! Dear God, did I not just say I don't want to hear it? What's out the port window? Hmm. Uh, I can see a ship. It's not the one we see in Danny piloting before, though. It's That's got... right, Miss Hawthorne! Danny's got a brand new Model X 2000! Straight off the factory floor! Danny needs to stop talking in the third person. Hey! Ray Scornbeck! Is that you? I thought I heard you say something! Hey! Say his Eris there, too? Hello, Danny. Hello to you, Eris! How goes it for you all? This fine evening or morning or whatever time of day it is. Perfectly fine, Danny. Is there something important you need to talk to us about, or...? Nope. Just thought I'd say hi to y'all as I pass by. We're headed out to Sirius to bring supplies to the construction workers. Did you hear about the Sirius City? They're making another artificial planet to orbit Sirius. Like Proxima Centauri! Except this one's gonna be twice as big! And there's a boat! Ah, oh, you swimming What was that? Oh, maybe I'm in the Olympics there! <laughs> Can you imagine that? How does space Olympics? Breaking up, Danny! Thankfully. Aw, oh, applesauce! This has been happening. Days in the... Whenever... Signal... Try to find the... Finally. Shouldn't we be a bit worried? Was that his transmission that was faulty, or our receiver? It better have been his. I am not doing another mid-flight antenna repair. No, our receiver's fine. 
must have been his crummy ship. But he said he just bought a brand new one. Maybe they've got faulty antennas. If it's one of those fancy new rocket ships, they're probably more focused on style than making a proper radio that can cut through all the background noise in space. I'll bet you within the next few weeks, there will be a recall and all the dandies of the world are going to have to get their radios fixed. Focus on the positive. If Danny's heading to Sirius, then we won't have to hear from him for at least two weeks. Two weeks of peace and quiet on the radio waves. Just the background radiation. No. Danny. What happened between you two? You were such good friends two years ago. And now you look like you want to snap his neck anytime he so much as breathes. I don't want to get into it. Long story. Embarrassing. That's rich coming from you. That's rich coming from you. Okay, I'm shutting off the intercom. I'll check in on you with an hour, Ares. If you really need something, just come up to the cockpit. Ray, you know I appreciate both of you. I really do. You, Eris, and Andromeda are my dearest friends, but sometimes you and Eris fight like you're both still four years old. She's my sister. She's had 27 years to learn exactly how to drive me mad in the most efficient manner possible. At least you only have one sister. Try four. Three and two brothers. I win. Now, let's get back to work. Andromeda, look for our maps from the last time we were here. I want to compare... Two hours later, Roger is recording his log in the Athena's records room. And compared radiation levels with the measurements we took from the last time we were in this region, which was four weeks ago, there haven't been any major changes. The only thing out of the ordinary was the radio signal that Ray intercepted about an hour ago. It was different from everything else we were registering, and you couldn't find any logical natural source, but we're the only ones out here. Even stranger, the signal was to come from the direction of Earth, or approximate a centauri. It wasn't around long enough for Ray to trace it, but we think it came from somewhere between Wolf 359 and Ross 128. If it came from one of them, that would make it 8 to 10 years old. That region was unexplored until about 6 years ago, when the Model 5 inertia negator was introduced. Right now our theory is that it's an old distress signal from the 21st century. An early rocket ship that's been adrift for 200 years, transmitting that signal because no one is left alive to shut it off. It's a gruesome theory for sure, but it's all we got. If we get a fix on that signal again, we'll try to narrow it down the location. End of log for day one. Now if I could just convince Eris to do her daily logs. Roger. Ray found that signal again. You... You should come up to the cockpit. Why? Ray, how's- Listen. It's gone again. That was a signal? It was, and this time I was able to trace it within a few million miles of its origin. Where's it come from? Nowhere. Nowhere? What do you mean, nowhere? I mean, there's nothing there. No stars, no planets, nothing. This radio signal came from a region of empty space about nine light years away from Earth. A region that no human vessel had been to until six years ago. Then what are you suggesting? Do you think it's a ship that floated out of the solar system hundreds of years ago, like we were saying earlier? There's more. I caught... I caught something. Just a few seconds of the message. That's when Andromeda left to find you. Message? I heard words, Roger. Something that sounded like language, just not a language I recognize. This signal is artificial. So it was an old 21st century signal. No, it it's not. 
Trust me. At that time, the only country with the technology to leave Earth, let alone the solar system, was America. And this message wasn't in English. Or for that matter, Spanish, French, Italian, Swedish. It wasn't in any language I've ever heard. Ray, what are you saying? That we're not the only ones out here. What? Roger. We've just discovered evidence of intelligent extraterrestrial life. This has been Roger Braddock, Space Explorer. Brought to you by the Davis Family Grocery Store in downtown Rhapsody. Remember, tune in to when next Wednesday at 7.30 for the next installment. Until then, take care, Rhapsody, and good night. When in Rhapsody was created by Julie Watson. This episode was written by Julie Watson and edited by Hannah Myers. The audio was edited by Julie Watson. The WHEN jingle was written by Julie Watson, arranged by Amy Galson, and performed by Anthony Wayne High School's vocal jazz ensemble, Generally Jazz. The Roger Braddock theme was written by Bryce Absher and performed by Bryce Absher. The voice of Edna Beecher was Claire McNerney. The voice of Steve Rogers was Alex Schultz. The voice of Nancy Wynn was Viet Ha Wynn. The voice of Leslie Bridger was Haley Thompson. The voice of June Stowe was Ashley Hamilton. The voice of the first mysterious radio host was Katherine Collier. The voice of the second mysterious radio host was Hannah Dykins. The voice of Roger Braddock was Finn Merton. The voice of Andromeda Hather was Ari Dullin. The voice of Ray Scarbeck was Courtney Perdue. The voice of Eris Scarbeck was A.J. Olson. The voice of Danny Astor was Zane Sexton. The voice of the Dispatcher was Hannah Myers. When in Rhapsody will update every other Saturday, but in the meantime, you can find us on Tumblr at When in Rhapsody or on Twitter at WHENpod. And finally, Thank you for listening. Take care, Rhapsody, and good night.